Welcome to Northern Gold, a football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crowell, as always, and joining me today are the two Pauls, Confusing Yes, 30 and Chalky, as well as Danny Law. How are we, guys? Good, thanks. Very well. Thank Hi there, Ryan. Okay, another week of plenty of games. There seems to be midweek games every week at the moment. Two of our teams met, of course, in the middle of this week, Aberdeen and Ross County. Inverness lost a big one to Kilmarnock at the weekend as well and we'll have Cove Peterhead and Elgin City to discuss as always but yes Aberdeen their game was off at the weekend against St Johnston because of the wind but they did manage to get their game in Dingwall played on Tuesday night guys they went into this clash didn't they on the back of a pretty dismal deadline day Paul third do you want to get us off and running on that if I not caused enough trouble, um, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, we only have to go back a few a few weeks when the manager was talking about his hopes to have everything in place by the time they played Rangers, and that was a couple of weeks ago, and clearly didn't happen. Um, with all due respect to the three new arrivals that have come in in January, they're all young players, and I think fans were probably hoping, if not expecting, to see an experienced, proven attacker of some description to help out Christian Ramirez. Um, I think that was clearly the the priority. It hasn't happened. Supporters are wondering why. You just need to look at the the chat online to see that, which is why I wrote the piece saying the fans need to hear from the chairman, and I, I still stand by that a few days later. They may not like what he has to say, because clearly one possible answer could be the simple, we're over budget and we wouldn't push the boat out. But that's not the point. The issue is they're still kind of being kept in the dark at this point. I suppose the question for me, a little bit is mixed messages, because you've had months of talk about this new transfer sort of way of working that the Dons have. They've got director of football, they've got the coaching staff, but they've also got a you know, head of recruitment, they've got Dave Cormack himself, you know, all working to get players into the club. And you kind of question... When you look at the signings made in January, Dante Pulvera has come from Bobby Clark's contacts, which is obviously kind of outside the wheelhouse of the head of recruitment and things like that. So really it's only um, Vincente Bezewin, is that how we're saying his name, um, that really appears to have been come in as part of that work of the transfer team. I do kind of question what those guys have been doing in terms of trying to get a new striker in over the last... You know, the last few weeks, few months, you've got Stephen Glass on Tuesday night saying as well that they didn't want to sign five, six players at panic like had maybe previously been done in the past. Um, it's kind of easy to work out that that was talking about last January when they brought in three strikers on deadline day and obviously got rid of Sam Cosgrove. Yeah, but at the same time, Glass is admitting he needed striking re- reinforcements, so why haven't they got them? They've let Ryan Hedges and Niall McGinn go. Obviously, those players want to leave um, for different reasons. Hedges, because he wanted to forward his career at Blackburn again because he wanted more games so he's gone to Dundee but it just seems like to me that that is something that should have been sorted out another attacking player is something that should have been worked on for months and weeks and they should have got somebody in surely I couldn't agree more add into that of course Marley Watkins who is on the sidelines we're told for the whole of February which if you include Ross County game the other night at seven matches he's going to miss and let's be honest, seven defining games in Aberdeen season. So not having cover or support is a hell of a risky strategy at this point. Um, Marley Watkins is a good player. 
And yes, he's had his injury niggles, but it's, it's interesting. Stephen Glass becomes very shy and reluctant to discuss injuries and timeframes for players, but clearly they knew the length of time he was going to be out for, which begs the question, why have you not got somebody in? He talks, Stephen Glass, about believing in the group that he's got already, though. And is, is Marley Watkins the problem? Is, is the fact that if Marley Watkins is fit, he feels they've got enough and maybe they do have enough with Miley Watkins fit, but if he's going to continue to miss large chunks of football, and in the spell he had with the Dons previously, he got injured, and he's been injured during this spell so far as well. Is is the fact that they've got Watkins on the book and books, and they're obviously having to pay him a wage? Is that do you think that's part of this? Part of the reason they don't want to bring another striker in? It's not just. That. I mean, the bottom line is that the. I mean, the squad is weaker, and you have to when you're building a squad, assembling a squad, you have to budget for injuries because, I mean, whether players are you know injury prone or not um, I mean you have to accept that you know players are going to be in- injured during the season the issue that the big issue that Aberdeen have got just now is that they've now got a squad that is um, you know overly reliant on Christian Ramirez because he doesn't have um, any competition there and you know if he goes down injured then it creates a massive problem if they aren't able to secure a you know a free agent striker in um, and it also means, I think, you know, even if Christian Ramirez is fit, he's carrying, you know, more pressure on him because he kind of knows that, you know, he's the main man, but he's also kind of the only man, especially if, you know, Watkins isn't fit. Um, so they've, I, th- I think that puts him in a difficult position as well because it adds a bit more pressure to him to deliver goals. And, you know, if he goes, you know, two or three or four games without a goal, then that pressure will increase. I mean, I th- I'm sure that Aberdeen will probably be working quite hard to get a striker in just now, a free agent. But, I mean, there is a reason that, you know, players are free agents just now um, outside of the transfer window. And that's because, you know, other clubs have deemed them sort of not good enough. So um, it'll depend. I mean, there might be, a you know, a hidden gem out there that they can get. But the squad just now looks like it lacks a bit of balance and just a lack of options in attack. Just to be clear to some of the Dons fans I've seen on social media, Lee Griffiths isn't that hidden gem, just so you know. Um, they obviously brought in Adam Montgomery as well on loan from Celtic which was also something that divided the fans he's a left back, left sided player can also play left wing I believe if you listen to the Hoops support but obviously there's been a long standing thing with Aberdeen fans in that they don't want to develop other clubs, youngsters like they did with Ryan Christie, they'd prefer to be given chances to guys from the, the Dons Youth Academy but anyway we'll see how many games he gets going forward for the Dons whether he plays over Jack McKenzie, he plays over Johnny Hayes of course, on the other hand, the big thing the Dons managed to do in the January window was hold on to Calvin Ramsey. A lot of attention on him, the young right back, and hopefully he can focus on his football as well. Ross County had a similar situation. Regan Charles Cook staying there despite being out of contract in the summer. Um, that was the big boost for both clubs on deadline day, wasn't it? Well, it so. Is it though? Is it? Is it with Calvin Ramsey? Because I mean, I wasn't sure whether you know the the ideal scenario for Aberdeen was to kind of, you know, sell Calvin Ramsey at a great price and um, and then have him loaned back to the club from, say, a Leeds United or whoever. I mean, that to me sounded like a, you know, if, if, if Aberdeen could have sold Calvin Ramsey for a club record fee and then managed to get him back for the rest of the season, then his future would have been, you know, sorted out. As it stands, you're thinking now, well, we're just going to go through all this with Calvin Ramsey again in the summer. He's going to have six months less in his contract, so he might not be able to, 
you know, command as big a transfer fee as was the case just now. And also, it depends what his form's like between now and the end of the season, whether that the money for him is going to go up or down. Um, and he still might possibly be, you know, I mean, Stephen Glass has admitted that he thinks that Calvin Ramsey's form's dipped slightly because of the transfer speculation, which is inevitable in someone that's so young. But that speculation is just going to continue for the rest of the season. So I wasn't sure whether, you know, that a, a, a better scenario might have been for Aberdeen to get that situation sorted out and have him back at the club. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hopefully now that the transfer window's closed, he will settle down and get back to the, the form that he showed in the early part of the campaign. It was clear for all to see, for me, in terms of Ramsey and Hedges, actually. They were both really playing beneath themselves because of all the speculation. I mean, Hedges got his way in the end with the club deciding to bank the money from Blackburn. A couple of hundred thousand were led to believe, and that's him gone. But Calvin Ramsey is still here. I don't think he'll be unhappy at still being here, but he's 18 and he's been mentioned by some really high profile clubs all season. It's a lot to take on board for a young lad and, and try to block out. At least now he gets that opportunity to try and focus on his football again. What do we think, Chalky, about Regan Charles-Cook? Obviously, that, that that's a big one for County. They're still, they're still not totally away from the spectre of relegation. Things are looking good for them. I think they're five points clear of the relegation places, but Regan Charles-Cook's the best player. It's undeniable. Um, there would have been, I imagine, although maybe no concrete interest, a lot of clubs having a look and thinking Kip should be, you know, make a move in January to get hold of him as top scorer in the Premiership. That's going to be massive for them going forward. It w- it will be, and I think you know the transfer window got off to a disastrous start for Ross County with um, Clark leaving, you know, on loan from Arsenal and then joining Hibs and. Um, he was luckless this month with getting an injury before he was uh, due to make his Hibs debut but for uh, Ross County that was a, a really difficult start to the month um, so it was vital that their top man who's caused so many teams problems uh, Regan Charles Cook um, was held on to in the attacking front we've seen the, the problems he's caused teams he's the top scorer in the Premiership with 10 goals and um, Ross County have um attacking flair right throughout the team they score most weeks and in fact I don't think a team scored more goals against Rangers than Ross County over the, their meetings uh, this season so yeah a big player but I think you're right Ryan I think they'll, they'll struggle to keep him come this summer I think there'll be interests north and south of the border in him. Obviously the game then ended 1-1 the takeaways for me were Dylan McGeek why maybe doesn't he play more games in midfield for Aberdeen he's so tidy with the ball he just, you know, he just keeps it moving the whole time, and he's he struggled for game time um, under Dent McInnes, and now, and I know he's, and under under Stephen Glass as well, but I know he's had injuries to contend with. But the other thing as well for me was we've talked about the lack of attacking options, and the Dons potentially adding more in January and failing to do so. Funzo Ojo again is, you know, playing as part of that attacking three on Tuesday night, and for me, Ojo doesn't give the ball away a lot. He he's pretty decent in the middle of the park when he's there with it, but the thing that always strikes me about him is he doesn't create chances. And he when he when he shoots or he, he either doesn't shoot or when he does shoot, you know he looks very unlikely to score. And I just think in the position the pitch is being played, there there are surely better options than having Funzo Ojo there, who to me is a central midfielder. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I like Funzo Ojo. He's industrious. He's versatile. But never in a month of Sundays is he an attacking midfielder or a winger. He's a square peg in a round hole for me, has been for much of the season. That's not a slight on Ojo, 
Um, but I do think the likes of Johnny Hayes or Adam Montgomery actually can be deployed in a, in a forward role to an off offer much more than than he can in that position. But the, the two things are linked because, to, and I know we keep coming back to the strikers. Ramirez is a finisher, but you can't finish if you're not getting the ball. He's dropping deeper and deeper with each passing game because of that. And you you watch him and you're terrified of every challenge he goes into thinking, oh, this is the one in Aberdeen are really going to be up the, the proverbial creek without the paddle here. There was one in the first half in Dingwall, I think it was Keith Watson, made the, the challenge on him. And, and you, you were looking, actually wincing, thinking, oh, is he OK? And you take Ramirez out of this team, and who legitimately is stepping up to fill that void? You've got Jet, Connor McLennan, and Michael Ruth. I think that's your options at this point. Yeah, it was a tight game in the end. Um, I think... The Don's got their goal. Johnny Hayes' goal, to be fair to him, was sensational. The pass from the vision from Scott Brown and the way he executed the pass with the left foot, so on the turn, basically the full length of the pitch. And Hayes, I think they talked about this on sports scene, but it showed Hayes' class the way he took a touch first, then anticipating the contact. I think it was Keith Watson. He just sort of like allows Watson to hit him, and then from that point onwards, he's because he's already taken the touch and controlled the ball. You know, all he has to do is lash it in the far corner, and he—I mean—he places it perfectly. And there's so much power. Ross Laidlaw, he was in goals for County as well, Chalky, which surprised me a little bit. I don't know why. I uh, mean, our Brewer wasn't playing, but that, um, yeah, it was a great finish. But County to give to give them their due. I know Aberdeen could have um, defended the throwing better for County's goal. They could, probably could have got out wide a bit quicker, and they certainly could have closed down Callahan a bit quicker. But you can't take away from the finish, can you, from Callahan? It was it was quite a strike, wasn't it? And I think. Uh, Ross is up to f- four goals now. Um, I think he'd be maybe a wee bit disappointed with his scoring returns so far. Um, almost certainly was in double figures last season uh, at Hamilton. Um, so uh, uh, just checking that, yeah. Well, he reached nine last season, but uh, yeah, it was it was a great strike. And County just dug in. They got the, the quick reply, of course, and um, it continues their good form, especially in, in Dingwall. That has to be said, where. Um, you know, they, they don't lose too too often indeed and uh, they've got a, a trip to Dundee this weekend which is a, a, a testing one for them we all know they, they hit them for five early on the season with a, a terrific midweek performance but uh, yeah, from from that point of view uh, Malky, delighted to, to come out of that with, with a point I'm going to say it now, after the last week watching that 3-3 draw with Rangers and the sort of how ruthless County were when they got chances in that game and how resilient they were given they also conceded three times and then also going 1-0 down against the Dons and coming back to get a point, I am convinced now that Ross County will be fine this season. Do you agree, guys? Yep, yep. Y- yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, think I, so. Think, I think there are two worse teams, at least, than, than Ross County, so they will be above that, that watermark. Um, you know, we all look at it, St Johnston with alarm and what's happening to, to them, you know, having won two Cups last season. Um, you really, you know, they got... A, great result the other night but uh, you, you, you really do wonder if they're going to do enough to, to get back and you know, Dundee just they don't have enough consistency County with with their scoring rate they're going to score most weeks they're going to dig out points and they're going to get the, the wins needed I think you're right Ryan to, to ensure that they stay in the Premiership I think the transfer window as well kind of it showed that you know Malky Mackay is quite happy with his squad and he believes that there's enough there to um, to stay up because I mean, County have been, you know, 
traditionally in a January transfer window, they've they've tended to bring in quite a lot of players because they maybe have been you know not where they want to be in the league or not overly happy with the squad that they've got. Whereas you know this time around, it was by county standards anyway a, a reasonably quiet window, um, and there's just more tweaks here and there. And um, and yeah, I mean I think that there seems to be a you know very good feeling at the club just now, um, a lot of confidence there as well. And um, and yeah, I mean, you expect that they're only going to be going one way in the table just now, and that's upwards. This weekend, uh, Dundee host County at Dens Park, Livingston host Aberdeen at the Tony Macaroni, if it's still called that. Um, those those both look like winnable games based on what we've just been saying. Dundee, obviously, one of those teams in real trouble down at the bottom. Livingston lost to one of those other teams in Johnston in midweek. I suppose the game that. Of, of of the games facing Ross County because um, County have got Livingston next week as well let's not forget but um, I th- the game coming up for both of our teams in the Premiership that, that fears me at the moment is Aberdeen against Celtic um, I think it's next Wednesday I'm based on how Celtic played <laughs> you I'm know, not worried about Aberdeen Celtic honestly you, you look no. at the season as a whole if, you, if I was to say to you name four or five of Aberdeen's best plays this season you'll say well they were decent in the two Celtic games albeit they lost 2-1 in both and they were very good in the two games for the two draws against Rangers. So I'm not worrying about Wednesday night, but Audrey, that'll take care of itself. Now, ask me about going to Livingston on Saturday, and uh, I break out in a wee bit of a, <laughs> a cold sweat over this one. Two away wins all season. One of them was at Livingston due to an absolute howler for the goalkeeper in the last minute. And the other one was at St Johnston, where... Let's just say fortune perhaps favoured Terry Jenks in terms of a, a handball in the build-up to that goal as well. The away form is the single biggest reason why the Dons are languishing where they are in mid-table. Closer to the bottom of the league than they are at Hearts in third. They've got to put that right or this top four spot isn't going to happen. I'd, I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. I mean, it's kind of it's almost the it's almost the opposite of um, <laughs> the Derek McInnes era because with Derek McInnes, you know, Aberdeen were really good at you know, steamrolling the, the teams below them in the league and, and winning those games. And, you know, I mean, obviously, maybe not towards the end of McInnes's time, but generally they were very good at winning those games. But in the bigger games was kind of where they they tended to be find, found a bit lacking. Whereas, yeah, I mean, under Stephen Glass so far, the, the big games have kind of taken care of themselves. And Aberdeen, you know, especially when they're against teams that are coming out and playing against playing against them rather than sitting in that seems to suit the Dons whereas you know when when Aberdeen are going up against teams where they have to take the initiative they're struggling a bit more with that just now you heard it here first then Scott Brown and Lewis Ferguson to shackle Rio Hitate next midweek right okay let's move on from Aberdeen and Ross County then to Inverness who suffered a sore sore defeat at the weekend Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Disappointing afternoon on Saturday for Cali Thistle down at Rugby Park against one of their league rivals, Kilmarnock. But obviously, we talked about it previously last week about the fact that it was a, a new look Kilmarnock side under Derek McInnes were sort of 
it was a bit of a, a tone setter maybe for the rest of the campaign and how Cali Thistle and Kilmarnock would maybe get on. In comparison to one another, the goal came pretty early, the goal that decided it from Kyle Lafferty. I thought it was pretty uh, dismal defending from Cali Thistle, firstly out wide, um, the, the left back got turned pretty easily and then no one is anywhere near Lafferty at the back post. Aye, the freedom of Rugby Park to tuck it away, didn't he? It was a great finish from Kyle Lafferty and you've got to give him credit. But yeah, the build-up to it, and in fact, Billy Dodd said after the game, the disappointing thing, not for the first time this season, is it all stemmed from a, a, an attacking, you know, they, they had a throwing up the other end of the pitch and lost position and uh, and uh, the, the move went, went down the, the right-hand side, as you say, before the cross came in from Daniel Mackay, a player obviously previously at Inverness so yeah it was a sore afternoon and I covered both Comana and Inverness games this season and the, the, there was a noticeable difference in, in mood within the stands the home stands at Rugby Park when um, when Tommy Wright was in charge first day this uh, early in the season and it was a 1-0 win for Inverness and there just didn't seem to be a, a contentment there with the way the team was playing there didn't seem to be a belief at Kilmarnock but Derek McInnes has, has changed that and he's only just in the door. He's he's been given a golden opportunity at Kilmarnock to go on and, and win this league, I think. And uh, Friday night's game at Arbroath is massive for for them. He's talked about the fact that Kilmarnock under Tommy Wright, you know, didn't win these big fixtures. They've now beaten Inverness. They, they aim to do the same by by beating Arbroath. The, uh, everyone's um, every, any neutral fan uh, fancies Arbroath and wants Arbroath to to go up. I'm sure so. But from an Inverness point of view. They now have three home matches this month and um, it's a really dangerous one against uh, Morton with, with Dougie Emery in, in charge. But they have to they have to get back to winning ways. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the form book at the moment, it's not great for Inverness. They're third in the table. To be fair, Wraith and fourth, their form's pretty similar. But other teams in the league, all, all over the Championship, are getting wins. And you, you look at Inverness and Wraith and they're both kind of... I mean, it's draws... And losses, mainly draws, but like some losses thrown in there. In terms of, in terms of Inverness's January transfer window dealings, I mean, they haven't been as bad as Wraiths. Let's be honest. Um, I noticed this morning, just as we started recording, that Wraith have actually released a statement, I believe, saying that David Goodwillie will now no longer be playing for the club after uh, the controversy of the last few days. But Inverness let Manny Duku go, um, but they signed Austin Samuels, who. We obviously saw Aberdeen in the first half of the season. Well, we saw him occasionally at Aberdeen in the first half of the season. Is that is that um, a good one for one? Well, I spoke to Austin uh, after the game at Kilmarnock, and um, you know he's eager. He, he's grateful actually for the opportunity that he, he got at Aberdeen. He felt that he he um, you know played a reasonable amount at the start of his loan deal, and then it kind of it, it didn't quite work out for him. But he. he wasn't scathing in any way about his time at the, the Dons and, and he um, has come in now with this real opportunity given a, a permanent contract at Inverness which is really um, you know that, that's that's great gives him security he says and he can now focus on the football he's keen to learn from Billy Dodds we all know international class striker so hopefully he can really develop uh, now at Inverness I think that the one for me actually is when I spoke to Manny Duku maybe a couple of months ago now he he was aware that two goals of a, a return this season is just not good enough. Two League Cup goals he hadn't scored in the the championship, so maybe he he just 
deserved a, a fresh opportunity elsewhere that it's work, works well for both parties but Lewis Jamieson for me is the striker that they let go back to um, St Mirren um, from what I saw Lewis Jamieson he, he really was a, a player at ease at that level scored goals in the, in the rare opportunities that he was given and uh, that was more surprising to, to me than, than Duku but the, he's got attacking players in during the window Billy Dodds so let's see how they go and how they fare this weekend. Austin Samuels is one of those what might have been at Aberdeen um, simply due to how little we actually saw of him in a Don's jersey. What we did see is he's really quick I can tell you that much I still don't know if he's a winger or a striker from what we saw at Bittaudry but he did look really keen um, what's interesting to me about him is how much Aberdeen made of the fact they wouldn't have taken him on loan without an option to make the move permanent when he arrived if it all went well and then obviously he goes back to Wolves and next thing you know he's signed for a permanent deal with Inverness good luck to him really but it's just an interesting weave Side note there. I suppose that was a, that was what I was going to say. The with Austin Samuels, maybe it is that he is better as a striker, an out and out striker. Obviously, at Aberdeen we saw him wide, um, shooting maybe at times left a lot to be desired, but he's certainly direct and stuff. I'd be interested to see basically how he gets on playing through the middle in the Championship, and maybe that maybe the spell at Aberdeen sort of changed Wolves' mind about him a little bit and what where they saw. His future, maybe wanting to get him off the books. Jameson, though, is there any sort of indication why, given it's a surprising move that Inverness let him go, is there any indication why that, that might have been? No, just Billy Dodds has, has favoured uh, Billy McKay and Shane Sutherland throughout the season. They've they've been his preferred options, and then it was always Manny Duku who was the, coming off the the bench rather than than Jameson. He kept the faith, and Manny Duku maybe hoping that eventually the, the goals would come um, but yeah no no uh, indication from, from Billy as to, to why Lewis didn't get more of a, an opportunity but um, uh, I'm sure we'll see him score goals I think he's he's ended up going on loan to, to Clyde uh, for the, the coming months so we'll, we'll see what happens but yeah I, I like the look of him um, but we'll see um, they have got you know attacking options now uh, I think during the window Ryan and we, we talked about this um, last week. I think the Cali Thistle fans really do want. They did want another defender coming in. There's maybe not enough cover at the back. They've got Danny Devine out injured at, at the moment, and the big thing was hanging on to Robbie Dees, who obviously interested St Johnston earlier in the window. But they're only one injury away from being in trouble in the back line. They can still make loan moves though. Cali Thistle, am I right in saying that? Well, I, I must be if, if Kilmarnock have landed Dean Campbell today. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I think all clubs are still uh, looking at that that option. So, um, uh, yeah, that, that, that's a possibility, certainly. But uh, the back line does need strengthen just in, in case. Um, the chaos in my mind is now saying to me, have we even mentioned so far that Dean Campbell has left Aberdeen for the rest of the season on loan to Kilmarnock? 30? Can you no, confirm? I haven't. <laughs> yes, but we can <laughs> confirm that has now <laughs> that has now gone through. Uh, it's it's interesting because Derek McInnes was in for Adam Montgomery, of course, because he was looking for someone that can play down the left hand side. Miss out on him, and then <laughs> oh, here we go. Here's, here's the one. <laughs> here's one that you you know well. And uh, given that the the club that you've gotten from have just taken the guy you were after, let's uh, let's all still be friends. Um, I th- I think Dean Campbell will, will do a decent job. Like Austin Samuels, he's a guy that needs game time. Uh, he, I think he'll get that at Kilmarnock because he's got a manager who knows what he's all about. And 
is talking very highly of him. I think I think it's a good move for all parties. It maybe it maybe justifies the um, the Adam Montgomery signing at Aberdeen as well um, a bit more because Aberdeen are maybe thinking the best thing for Dean Campbell to you know make him into the player that Aberdeen want him to be is to get him out for um, a period elsewhere, and you know they've only really maybe been able to do that by bringing in Adam Montgomery. I suppose the question is whether Kilmarnock use him as a a, a left side player like a left back. Or he gets to play in his favoured centre midfield position there because that obviously would go to explain that a little bit more because maybe not trusted to play in centre midfield for Aberdeen at the moment, but if they send him out on loan, maybe he can, you know, um, develop as a central midfield player elsewhere. Okay, let's move on then to the final part of this week's Northern Goal, where we'll discuss Cove, Peterhead, Nelgan City as always. Okay, Cove first of all. Still unbeaten. They're just, they're just a team that just cannot lose in League One at the moment. Two-two draw with Dumbarton. Quite an interesting game this one, though. I think three penalties weren't there, Danny. Yeah, and the, I mean, the decisive one at the end there was never a penalty. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but I mean, it's a Fraser Fivey challenge against um, Paul Payton. Is I it think a high it foot? It's given for maybe. Yeah, I mean, it was given for that, and obviously, it's. I mean, it's one of those where you know Fivey's challenging. And he wins the ball, but his studs are like on the top of the ball, I guess. But for me, that's just never, ever, ever a penalty. Um, so I think Cove will feel that you know they should have taken all three points from that game. So they must have came away from that one really frustrated. I know. I mean, I think Paul Hartley said as well that he thought that it, it shouldn't have been awarded at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still in the in the grand scheme of things, it keeps their unbeaten run going, but. I mean, they sh- they should be two points better off after that one. That one, because for me, that's I know that you know referees can maybe judge that to be dangerous play, and I think the Dumbarton player, you know, made as much of it as he possibly could. But for me, not a penalty at all. The goal of the game, obviously, because it was the only one that wasn't a penalty, was a uh, for me the the Connor Scully finish. Not so much what happened in the box, because I think the goalkeeper was a bit unlucky that the cross took a deflection that meant he kind of had to go for it and it was just out of his reach, and he managed to get that touch, and it drops perfectly over Scully. But the bit that I quite liked about it was, I think it was Rory McAllister had the ball on the left-hand side and worked it back to Harry Milne, who picked out this, like, beautiful crossfield pass that, you know, yeah. took half the Dumbarton team out of the game, and, th- like, the goal doesn't happen without that pass. He's a, he's a quality player, isn't he, Harry Milne? Uh, we all, I mean, I think, I think we've spoken enough over the years about Harry Milne that we're all kind of... Uh big fans of you know what what he is and that he's someone that I think even when he was playing Highland League we all said this is a guy that could easily play um you know a level above we were I mean I think we were even talking this week about him being as like a you know a, a full-time player because he I mean he is he is that good and I I thought as well it was um you know Connor Scully made that look um simple but the ball actually came at him quite quickly he had to adjust quickly it was a, it was a good kind of quick finish as well so yeah it was it was a good goal and um, yeah, by by default of being the only one that wasn't a penalty, it was certainly the the most eye catching of them. Yeah, they've got Erdrionians this weekend. Cove, uh, their chief rivals for the League One, if you can even call them rivals for the League One title, um, could go ten points ahead of them if they beat them. Is this the uh, we keep asking this, but is this the final nail in the coffin that Cove can deliver yes. this weekend? Yes, in a word, <laughs> it's a cup final for Erdrie. The Diamonds have got to got to win this one, or I think we're saying. Adios amigos, let's get the, the champagne on ice at Balmoral. Erdre's form has, has dropped a wee bit. I mean, they've gone three um, three games without a win. Um, so, 
I mean, they'll 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 know that you know the, the teams below Cove will know that they need to start making a move now if they're going to have any chance of um, of keeping up with them. But you know, it doesn't it doesn't look like Cove will drop too many points over the closing stretch just now. Um, and you know, they've strengthened with even this week with Kai Fotheringham coming in. Um, so I mean, I think that the squad looks really strong, and yeah, you'd be you'll be surprised if that if anyone's able to eat into that gap too much. Peterhead are still in that kind of position where end of the season we could be talking about them being in the playoffs and we could also talk about them you know if, if their form slips slightly we could talk about them being down the the bottom of the division they drew 0-0 with East Fife at the weekend a game you know that you know probably wasn't played in the best conditions it'd be safe to say yeah it didn't it didn't look great it sounded like from um you know speaking to uh Jamie her reporter was down there that it spoiled it a bit as a, a spectacle um but I mean it's still it's another point that um that they've picked up and I think they um you know they felt that they maybe could have taken more from that. I mean they've got um they've got Aloha this weekend who have been a, a massive surprise for me this season in League One. They're sitting in eighth position. They've obviously got Barry Ferguson in charge. Um and they've got a good squad there. They've got players that are, you know, tried and tested, uh, Connor Salmon, Stefan Skugel, who was, you know, repeatedly linked with Aberdeen uh, when McInnes was in charge. And, you know, Stephen Boyd's coming uh, back to uh, Balmour as well. So, I mean, Aloha is a team that you would have expected to have had a much stronger season than um, than what they had. But, um, yeah, I mean, Peterhead looking at it is a good opportunity to um, to get a victory this weekend against a team that, that has been struggling. Yeah, a team that's I think, only two points below them. So you kind of think that if they can get a win here, you know, they, they increase that gap between themselves. And the bottom sides, right, finally then... Elegant City, I think I said this uh, last Thursday, at least in my own mind I said this, um, naturally having beaten Kelty Hearts, they'd, they'd skilled their Everest, they'd, they'd skilled the Everest that no other team in League 2 had managed to scale by beating Kelty Elgin, and then they go to Stenny at the weekend and lose 2-1, I think they were 2-0 down in this one, uh, it was just, you know. It's yeah. the story of Elgin's season, isn't it, Chalky? It, it, it sums them up, doesn't it? It's it's exactly what you would expect from Elgin after a, a big result like that. But um, I covered the Kelty Hearts game last week and they got it absolutely spot on. Kelty had no response to them. Um, they didn't let Kelty settle. You know that Kelty, with their quality, would uh, they they can uh, they've got the class to just you know they, I think it's the first time they failed to score. Um, in the league this season so that shows how great a job Elgin um, implemented and you know the back line uh, was very strong and Kane Hester popped up with, with two goals and Hester was on the score sheet again at the weekend but it was too little too late and Steny played the last 20 minutes almost with uh, 10 men but uh, I've just spoken in fact to Russell Dingwall who said you know there was a real frustration that they just couldn't get that, that equaliser but looking they're looking at the Kelty Hearts game with optimism because right now Elgin are just five points despite being eighth in the table still they're only five points off fourth place and um, they're going there with the belief that they can cause Kelty Hearts more tr- trouble early in the season in New Central Park they were 30 seconds away from, from winning so they've caused them a lot of trouble and they're looking for the, the victory that would uh, you know supercharge their, their uh, bid of promotion via the playoffs Yeah they're very much still in the, the Peterhead position are Elgin. Anyway, that concludes then this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thanks to Chalky30 
because I call them Paul, it's confusing. Uh, and Danny for joining me today. Cheers, guys. No problem. Thanks. Thank right. you, Danny. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email us any questions or queries at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And finally, enjoy the games, whichever games you're watching, for the next few days. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.